Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. <laughs> I just learned something. Oh, I'm having fun now. No, I think he might not have known the depth of his fear of fire. I think oh. we all think like, hey, being a firefighter would be cool, but none of us have run into a burning house. Right. And then you become a firefighter and you run into a burning house and you're like, not for me. No. <laughs> <laughs> On second thought. And I think that's what happened. I think yeah. that he realized that he was not cut out for this. Yeah. Hey, Duncan. Yo. We're on probably episode 40-something at this point. 42-ish? Somewhere around there. And yeah. by the time this comes out, it'll be a few episodes ahead. We are, we're always a few episodes ahead. And I'm always lost, so. That is my natural state of affairs. Welcome to my world. <laughs> we, in the beginning, benefited a little bit from my comedy career and the fact that I had a little bit of a built-in audience and we could market to them. So we had a small crowd in the beginning. A we small... had a seed crowd. <laughs> it wasn't even a massive. It was the midnight handful. But then we kind of ran up against, like, how do we grow this thing? Right. And now with COVID, this is up to the midnight masses, you know, rating, reviewing, and telling a friend. The more this accelerates and the bigger this gets, the more content there will be. The more we will be able to put energy into this. Right. If you love this show and you want more of it, the best way to do that is to help it grow. This is all on you guys. And you guys have been doing an amazing job. Not shorting you at all. We just want you to push. Give us a little pushy push. That's all it takes. Yes, indeed. Now on with the show. On with the show. So today's episode was suggested by Elder Batman from Instagram. Oh, good old creaky bats. And the topic is ridiculous lawsuits. <laughs> all right. Bring it on. Are there any ridiculous lawsuits that particularly stick out in your imagination? I have one. It was the hot coffee from McDonald's lady lap thing. I was hoping that was the one you would bring up. It turns out that the conspiracy behind it is that it wasn't completely ridiculous. Yes. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of that one. Okay. But there are plenty of crazy, ridiculous, frivolous lawsuits. So let's clarify off the bat, this isn't going to be some kind of campaign for tort reform. No. I'm not all about, like, hey, you know, stop suing corporations. I don't care. Sue the hell out of corporations. Get your money. I personally believe that suing people for petty shit is a cornerstone of the democratic process. I think it's a high form of art, honestly. Right? Yeah. But obviously, like I said, there are frivolous, ridiculous lawsuits that clog up the system, and it is totally okay to laugh at those. Absolutely. In 2009, Jesse Dimmick was wanted for murder as a result of a drug deal gone bad, and he was running from the law. Hmm. With police hot on his trail, he broke into the home of Lindsay and Jared Rowley and took them hostage at knife point. Okay. The Rowleys were able to gain Jesse's trust by offering him some chips and soda and watching the movie Patch Adams with him. It's like, like a Netflix and fuck? not very chill. Not so chill. Netflix and stress. It's like an involuntary sleepover. Seriously. With a drug-dealing murderer. <laughs> what the fuck? I think they were trying to get his trust. They were trying yeah. to not get killed. No, I, I get it. It's just... It's... Chips okay. and soda sure. for my life? Not a bad... Trade, no. And a couple hours of a bad movie. You like um, Patch I like, Adams? I like the first half of it. When it gets all depressing and sad, then I'm like, man. Any day where I see a clown or a doctor is not great. The combination, even worse. Is terrifying, yeah. So Jesse promised that if the rallies didn't call the cops, he would make it worth their while and compensate them at a later date. Which is probably what he told the guy in the drug deal that he I was murdered. About to say, I was like, I feel like this is an oft-told yarn. <laughs> this is his mo. Yeah, I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a kilo today. I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a bag of smack today. <laughs> when Jesse fell asleep, the Rowleys quickly called the cops. Yeah. 
On top of his murder charges, Jesse now faced a charge of kidnapping, and additionally, he was sued by the Rowleys for $75,000 in damages. He had broken into the house and traumatized them. In response, Jesse countersued for breach of oral contract. What? Because the Rowleys had promised to hide him from the police. You can't make right or form under, contracts under, under duress. duress. So you're an idiot. That's guts. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's stupid, but it's also the, the line between stupid and guts is pretty, pretty thin. I don't think oral contracts should be a thing anyway, because people say shit. Yeah. I don't even think written contracts should be enforceable. Because I used to drink a lot and I own pins. I would assign my name to all kinds of crazy shit. <laughs> I believe you did sign your name to all kinds of crazy shit if the fucking walls of toilets are to be believed. <laughs> if I was drunk enough and you gave me some chips and soda, who knows what I would have been willing to sign. I'm pretty sure there's some video that's been destroyed of us figuring out that very thing. Weren't much for Klondike bars, but chips and salsa were kind of your thing. So his lawsuit sought $120,000 for medical bills because he had been shot in the back during his arrest. Which had everything to do with those poor people he held at knife point. As well as $75,000 for pain and suffering. The lawsuit was dismissed. He should have sued the cops because what it turns out the reason that he got shot was that a gun accidentally went off. Oh, while he was laying down. Which basically translates somebody had poor trigger discipline and like, you know, a hair trigger. And... Or wanted to shoot a dude in the back. Yeah. Which is a thing we have seen yeah. from cops. So... He might have had a case against the police officers suing these people. I respect your chutzpah, sir. No, you do not get money. In fact, we've added five years to your sentence. But, bulls. Yes. <laughs> Dismissed with prejudice. Yes. In 2014, Houston firefighter Shane Proler mm. was reassigned to an office job. Mm -hmm. So he sued the city, claiming that the reassignment was discrimination as a result of his disability. Well, yeah, you're a firefighter. If you're disabled, you can't be a firefighter none more. His disability? He was afraid of fire. I take it back. You're just an idiot. What exactly in the name of the job, firefighter, makes you think that your pyrophobia is going to just stand up real good to this? He might not have known before he got the job. I think that that's what happened. I think that What he... do you think they do in fireman training? No, I think he might not have known the depth of his fear of fire. I think oh. we all think like, hey, being a firefighter would be cool, but none of us have run into a burning house. Right. And then you become a firefighter and you run into a burning house and you're like, not for me. No. <laughs> <laughs> On second thought. <laughs> and I think that's what happened. I think yeah. that he realized that he was not cut out for this. Yeah. But at that point, that's on you. Like, okay. Yeah new job yeah or that was nice of them to transfer you to a desk they yeah. did the right thing by reassigning you and yeah. you should be grateful yeah like you have to be a very specific type of person to be a firefighter in the first place like a you shouldn't be a firefighter if you have an aversion to fire <laughs> you also shouldn't be a firefighter if you really like fire yeah pyromaniacs don't make great firefighters or rather they don't make very long-lived firefighters also if you're ambivalent about fire if you're like, ah, I could take it or leave it. I don't know. No, you got a very firm feelings about fire, mostly in the anti category. Yeah. So he initially won $362,000. Oh, fuck me sideways. The verdict was overturned in June of 2014. Okay. Because. Because stupid. Logic. Yeah. <laughs> God hope so. One of my favorite all time ridiculous lawsuits involves Alan Heckard, mm -hmm. the man who sued Michael Jordan 
because he looks like Michael Jordan. I'm sorry, did you just say a man sued famous person because dude looked like famous person? So Heckard got sick of constantly being mistaken for billionaire basketball celebrity Michael Jordan. He said he'd been harassed and bothered throughout his life. Quote, I'm constantly being accused of looking like Michael, and it makes it very uncomfortable for me. He sued Jordan and Nike for $832 million. Okay, that's just a crazy person. Hmm. Heckard is six inches shorter than Michael Jordan. Yeah. He's barely six feet tall, but he does have a similarly shaved head and wears an earring in his left ear, just like Michael. Ah. And let me repeat that. Just like Michael, he chose to wear an earring in his left ear. Right. Knowing that he looks like Michael Jordan and then was upset that people... What? And what makes you think you can whatsoever I'm gonna ask get a, for $820 million? I'm going to get a face tattoo and then sue Mike Tyson. Good luck with that. I made bad decisions and I deserve to be compensated. <laughs> His lawsuit alleged personal injury and emotional pain and suffering. Who's the lawyer who took this on? Right. Like, I get that they're shysty lawyers, but they're lawyers who can actually judge a case and be like, sure, this will win, and this is batshit crazy. I wonder if he represented himself. I, I mean, I can't imagine any lawyer that worth their bar that would do it. Doesn't cost that much money to file a motion and just see what happens. What happened was the case was dismissed. Yeah. That's, again, with the prejudice kind of thing. Like, I feel like, yeah. And you just earned yourself five years of public service. That's why I'm saying there's no real downside, and there kind of should be. Again, not arguing for tort reform stuff here, but I think there should be repercussions for lawsuits that are insane. Definitely. If it's absolutely batshit, like, I'm going to sue you because I look like you. Damn it, Michael Jordan, and your genetics. <laughs> you might as well like... sue your parents for making you look like Michael Jordan. Like, that's just as batshit insane. That's less batshit insane. <laughs> At least there's some genetic basis for that. <laughs> At least they had something to do with yeah. your existence. Michael Jordan is unrelated to your existence. Yeah. And unaware of your existence. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when we were in a band together, mm -hmm. and we used to play with that other band that was really good, but the singer looked exactly like Rob Thomas. Oh, Yeah. I have this theory that everyone in the world has a doppelganger, mm -hmm. and life is just a race to get famous before your doppelganger does. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be the more pathetic doppelganger. That never works out. There's probably someone out there who looks exactly like Donald Trump, but even if that guy like released a slap and hit single, mm -hmm. he's always going to be the guy who looks exactly like Donald Trump. Yeah. There's no room for you. No. The other person has already carved out their existence and yours. So I kind of feel bad for this Alan Heckard guy. Because I'm sure it sucks to look like a guy who's famous and rich and you're not famous and rich. Comparative to Michael Jordan, which is kind of my life too. His <laughs> most lives, I would say. But basically he just lost the doppelganger race. Yeah, or the doppelganger lottery. Well, if Alan Heckard had written a top 40 song in like 1981, yeah. Michael Jordan would have been that basketball player who looks exactly like Alan Heckard. Right. He would have been that really famous basketball player who now also really famously looks like that one-hit wonder that came out in 1984. So get on it. Find your thing and do it before the other guy does. Exactly. So I'm kind of conflicted about this next one. Okay. In 2013, a viral photo spread across the internet posted by a man in Australia named Matt Corby. Mm. He'd snapped a picture of his foot-long Subway sandwich next to a ruler, proving that it only measured 11 inches. Hmm. Subsequently, two New Jersey men 
filed a class action lawsuit against the Subway Sandwich Corporation because they similarly found their sandwiches to be lacking. Mm. But the problem is that Subway sandwiches aren't manufactured by machines. Mm -mm. All of the dough comes prepackaged, so every foot-long sandwich you buy contains the same amount of bread, but the dough might have been cooked differently or shaped slightly differently during the baking and handling process, and it's never going to be 100% uniform. Right. I'm a perfectionist, and this still seems a little nitpicky to me. Yeah. Because you can just ask for more toppings. Like, the length of the sandwich, to me, seems less relevant than the height of the sandwich. The height the and width. Whatever. Volume. Volume of The it, yeah. density of the sandwich yeah. is what matters, is how much stuff is packed in there. I don't care if the bread is a quarter inch. If you give me one of those Scooby-Doo sandwiches, <laughs> like, I'm down. <laughs> I hate sandwiches from New York delis. It's, it's too, too much, much meat. meat on them. It's like a cow with a cracker on either side. We haven't done a That's Mitch reference for a while. In. That's why I brought it in. But honestly, I see like both sides of this one. Because if you're going to call your sandwich footlong, people are going to expect it to be 12 inches. Right. That's not an estimate. That is a specific measurement. You were the one who brought a foot into this. It's not like they went with a subjective term. Right. If you called it the big sandwich, it's hard for people to sue you because everyone's concept of big is different. Right. Just ask men. <laughs> the word big very subjective. <laughs> and where you start to measure big is also extremely different. And lots of women will tell you that the concept of 12 inches is not subjective. No. That's a very specific measurement. Indeed. And you shouldn't say it unless you mean it. Yes. Unless you can back it up, as it were. But I see Subway's side here because there are marketing realities. Calling your sandwich the approximate footlong isn't going to take the sandwich market by storm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's another Christopher Walken moment. It's about 12 inches, all right? Close Sometimes. The uh, sandwich, you know, it gets a little short. The case was settled for $525,000. Oh, sweet. Jumped up, Jesus. Okay. Most of which went to the attorneys. I was going to say. Subway did make some changes to their policies, so that seems good. Hmm? Now you should be getting your full 12 inches, I hope. I don't know. I'm going to measure next time. And also maybe don't go to Subway because there's that recent Irish declaration that Subway Sandwich's bread isn't technically bread. What? They declared it not bread, and so they had to, like, crack down on Subways or something. I didn't read the whole article. I mean, but it's it was, definitely bread. I don't... They measured it by certain kinds of, like, grains and additives. and Oh, yeah, that's right, and there was a huge amount of sugar in it. And they're like, that's not how bread is made. I mean, banana bread is... You can get sweet... Banana bread is banana cake. There are sweet breads and things. I mean, eh, sweet breads are like guts. Yeah. But <laughs> there are breads They're that are tasty. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> that is Don't an actual thing. butter on a, on a sweet bread. My problem is when you buy the six-inch sandwich, mm -hmm. because the location where the guy divides the sandwich... Right. ...is very subjective. Yeah. It's very much like, if I like you, you get a nine-inch sandwich. <laughs> yeah. I don't like you, you get a five-inch sandwich. Like, sometimes he'll cut it very far from the middle. Yeah. And then we just have that moment... It's just a Mexican standoff. Right. And I'm like, you know which side I want. Where are we going with this? <laughs> I will come over to a goddamn glass case. I've never actually complained about it if he's mm. giving me the small piece, but I've given him like a lot of dirty looks. And right. I think he got the... Come on, man, look. Yeah. Yeah. So last year in 2019, a Dutchman named Emil Rattelband sued for the right to legally change his age. A fucking what? At the time, he was 69 years old. Mm-hmm. Which is the best possible age to be. 69. You've got a year of dad jokes. Why would you change that? It's hilarious. It's derp. Yeah. But he claimed he was being discriminated against. That he was a victim of ageism. And that having to post his correct age was hindering his success on dating apps as well. 
No, your age is limiting your success <laughs> right. on dating apps. You absolute fuckwit. The lack of ability to lie about your age is not the hindrance. No. It is the gray hair and the wrinkles. Yes. Here's the thing. You mm -hmm. can lie on dating apps. You don't yeah. need to legally change your age to lie on a dating app. They're not checking you out. I lied about my age on dating apps. When I was in my late 20s, I wanted to date women in their early 20s, and I looked like I was in my early 20s, and I was a sleazebag. Okay. That's, and... <laughs> that's a lot of admissions all very quickly, so people will miss it. Luckily, being a douchebag is not like age. It is something you can change. Yes. And it is something you can grow <laughs> out of. It's true. And I think I'm better now. But I whatever it lets you sleep at night. But Mr. Rattleband, you don't need a lawsuit for this. No. There is a way. Just don't be a complete fuckwit. So the court said, quote, Mr. Rattleband is at liberty to feel twenty years younger than his real age and to act accordingly, but changing his legal documents would have, quote, undesirable legal and societal implications. Yeah. Not to mention precedence. Now I bet you can read between the lines here and see that there was a larger agenda at play. Mm. The idea of being able to change genetic variables is a hot-button issue right now. Right. Obviously, I'm talking about gender. Right. And we're not going to get into the politics of this, but as far as I can tell, this guy was essentially a troll. He was trying to make a point and be as sensational about it as possible. If you can change your gender, why can't I change my age? Right. And look, like regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum, age and gender are not the same thing. No. One is a passage of time everyone can measure. The other one, like, I don't know if there's actually any research saying like you know you, you you are born and you feel 60 there is more than one gender there is not more than one chronology <laughs> no no chronos tends to move in exactly one direction like you couldn't sue to change gravity <laughs> uh, no actually i would love to see that uh, i don't feel like i can't fly <laughs> don't tell me i can't fly physics isn't a feeling no so honestly fuck that guy yeah it's just He's a twat. Another situation where you should probably be punished for bringing a lawsuit just because you were trolling. You right. were being a shitty person. Yeah. I mean, maybe it made him famous with his friends, but it just sounds ridiculous to me. Yeah. But I guarantee that the Venn diagram of awful human beings and the people that support that guy is a circle. <laughs> it's not, in fact, to overlapping circles, but to transposed circles. Yes. So this is an interesting one. Yes. In 2012, the internet lit up with a story from a Chinese internet site, hmm. which related the sad tale of Zhang Feng, a Taiwanese man who was extremely disappointed when his beautiful wife gave birth to a baby that he described as, quote, incredibly ugly. <laughs> I don't get the ugly baby thing. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> People are like, that's an ugly baby. It just, is there an attractive baby? Babies are, to me, they're all... I have never looked at a baby and been like, oh, look at that appealing baby. To yeah, me, that I, that swarthy, I just don't, gorgeous baby. No, it's, no, it's, I don't it's have a, that impulse. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, I'm not for it. But this Fang guy was apparently smoking hot or believed that he was because he immediately decided that the ugly genes couldn't possibly be his contribution. <laughs> okay. He All did right. some digging and he learned that his wife wasn't always the pristine specimen of good lookingness that he believed her to be. Oh, God, I remember this. She'd had a bunch of plastic surgery done. I do remember this. The homely baby was actually a reflection of her pre-plastic surgery face. Mm. She was a former uggo. How embarrassing for him. <laughs> absolutely shite human. He sued her for the Taiwanese equivalent of false advertising and won the Taiwanese equivalent of $120,000. 
Wow. So you read about this story. Yeah. Well, I mean, and in, so in did passing, I. I saw it on the interwebs and was like, well, that looks fucking ridiculous, really? Pretty much everyone did. Mm. And it seems like it's so ridiculous that it must be true. Nah. Mm. It is the exact amount of ridiculous to make it as ridiculous as it seems. Yeah. You can Snopes it, and I did. It is absolutely fake. But there was a lawsuit involved. Hmm. So this fake story eventually caught enough momentum to attract attention and justify some embellishment online. Some bored internet rando neckbeard reposted the story, and he added a family photo depicting an attractive Asian couple with three less attractive children. So he took a story that was fake, mm-hmm. and then he added this photograph that he had found online. Mm. And that gave it legs. The credence, right? Considering the fact that the story claimed the couple got divorced after one child, the presence of this photo with three children in it should have been like a red flag. Right. Your first indicator went to... But people see what they want to see. Mm. And so do news outlets, many of whom began reporting the story as fact. It turned out that the photo was actually from an advertisement for a Taiwanese plastic surgery center and originally sported the tagline, the only thing you'll ever have to worry about is how to explain it to the kids. Ouch. That's what I wrote. (laughs) Nice. That's... Ouch. Brutal. (laughs) And immediately, I had questions. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine why. What kind of parent allows their children to take part in this ad campaign? Ugh. Who sees an ad in the paper looking for, like, ugly child models and thinks, you know who would be perfect for this? Hey, Guan Fong, hobble over here. <laughs> that is so fucked up. Yeah. But it's, it seems like there was some trickery involved with the photo. So the woman posing as the mother in the photo... Taiwanese model Ye Wang Cheng mm. sued the modeling company for $5 million. She says she was hired for a single photo shoot with children who were digitally altered to look unappealing. So the kids weren't actually ugly, so they didn't put out an ad for ugly kids. Mm-hmm. These kids were probably totally normal looking, and then they, like, messed with them. Mm-hmm. And she knew that was going to happen, and so did the kids. But the modeling company then licensed the photo to multiple outlets, and it made its way onto the net... And it was immortalized in this meme that ended up ruining her life and career. Wow, really? She says that potential employers subsequently refused to believe that her beauty wasn't the result of plastic surgery. Although it doesn't seem Who like plastic surgery cares? has stopped anyone from yeah. becoming famous. Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Any of them. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Just what? Pamela Anderson, Kim Kardashian, anybody, pick anyone famous in the last three decades. So her complaint had nothing to do with the content of this tasteless ad that she knew was tasteless when she got involved. Mm. Just the fact that... It fucked up her employment. Just the fact that it went, it got huge. Yeah. She agreed to be in a morally questionable internet ad campaign and then sued for $5 million because it went viral. Yeah. She knows how the internet works, right? I, one would hope. I've been to Taiwan. They don't have a different internet. It's not communist China. They have the regular old internet. Things go viral. Once you put it on the internet, you know it can go anywhere. Right. And just the fact that you're mad that it was bigger than you thought it was going to be, it's like doing something horrible and then suing the newspaper that reported on it. Right. It's if our earlier fellow with the with the fucking knife yeah. sued media because they were like, I feel like you maligned the way I was portrayed. Snitches? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like suing the New York Times. Snitches get served. Being a snitch. Yeah. So this story both fits our episode and also points out how important it is to check the facts and remain vigilant. Mm. USA Today reported the original fake story as fact as recently as February of this year. As I've aged, I honestly can point to the media and be like, wow, since like the Reagan era, it has gone steadily downhill, like news yeah. culpability and... and and of, and of course, it's dangerous to go down that like fake news rabbit hole and be like, oh, fake news can't trust journalism. You can trust journalism. They're a great journalist. Yeah. You just have to do your homework to make sure that the media that you are consuming is put out by good journalists. And there are so many of them out there. Yeah. The problem with the Internet is that it blurs all the lines. There will be links to The New York Times right next to links to The New York Post. And those are two very different publications. Mm. So buyer beware. Yeah. So let's talk about the poster child of frivolous lawsuits. As we brought up before, we're going to end on the notorious 1994 McDonald's versus Liebeck hot coffee lawsuit. Mm. We won't spend too much time on this one because it's been covered extensively by various different organizations with various different agendas. And that's actually what's so fascinating about this lawsuit. It's very easy to intentionally misinterpret the events in order to make a point. Right. But the facts are clear. And they are not at all consistent with how they were portrayed in popular culture. First off, let's talk about the common view of this lawsuit. You might have heard about how a dumbass woman spilled hot coffee on herself and won a giant multi-million dollar lawsuit against McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Because apparently it's McDonald's fault that she was both clumsy and stupid, right? Like, right. why are we going after the wrong person here? Right. But here are the actual facts. And you can decide for yourself. And by the way, Adam ruins everything. Have you seen that show? Mm -hmm. He did a great expose on this. Yeah, that's where I got the information. That's why I brought up the whole conspiracy side of it. We're actually going to go a little bit deeper than he did. So oh, okay. Stella Liebick was a 79-year-old grandmother who was not driving her car when the incident occurred. Hmm. She was a passenger in her grandson's car. And they weren't even moving. They were parked in the parking lot when she attempted to open a packet of creamer and spilled the coffee on her lap. She never claimed that spilling the coffee was not her fault. Mm -hmm. She's 79 goddamn years old. She's Probably had shaky hands. She's 79 years old. A, a certain amount of infirmity is assumed at that point. And of course we expect hot coffee to be hot. If I spilled coffee on myself, I expect to get a burn and learn my lesson. What I wouldn't expect is third degree burns on my genitals. Now have we gone into the degrees of burn and what they mean? Feel free. Uh, I, I can't do it accurately. <laughs> I can't remember. I know there's <laughs> first like... degree burns that... Uh, I can, I can never remember well, if it's first, second, third, and that they go worse as the degrees go up, or it's... Lower numbers are less damaging. Less, okay. So third-degree so, burn right, is, is is deep tissue. Worst. It goes it goes into the fascia. It goes into, like, the fats, uh, the fat stores, like, underneath the skin. It goes through a lot. of Like, it, it turns it all into mush. Yeah. In this case, Stella was hospitalized for eight days with third-degree burns on over 6% of her body and second-degree burns over 16%. Skin was literally peeling from her pelvic region. Yep. She lost 20 pounds while in the hospital. When she left the hospital, she weighed 83 pounds. Jesus. And was permanently disfigured around her genitals and torso. Right. So she essentially spilled hot battery acid in her crotch. Post-hospital, her daughter had to stay home from work for three weeks to take care of her. All because McDonald's had a policy of heating their coffee to around 190 degrees. And had received over 700 complaints between 1982 and 1992 and had already settled similar scalding lawsuits for over $500,000. So with that in mind, let's talk about this supposed massive payout 
It's true that Stella was awarded $2.86 million. But the verifiable truth is that Stella never tried to get rich. She initially attempted to settle for $20,000, which was the approximate amount of her anticipated doctor's bills, plus three weeks of lost wages for her daughter. Mm -hmm. McDonald's refused. They offered her $800. They weren't even willing to cover her hospital bills. You fuckers. So the $2.86 million was awarded as punitive damages intended to make a point and teach them a lesson. Right. Because juries are made up of people, and people, when they are given the facts, tend to make rational decisions. We all jumped to conclusions when we heard about this ridiculous case. I used to mock her. I used to make jokes about her. Exactly. Because I was 14 and stupid. But the people on the jury who got all the facts and looked at this old lady correctly decided to punish McDonald's. Yeah. And McDonald's could definitely afford to pay for their mistake. This is a company that brought in over $21 billion last year. And the reason the jury settled on $2.86 million, it's because that was the approximate revenue for just two days of McDonald's coffee sales back in 1994. What? So they were kind of making a point. Like, yeah. They're like, really? Really? Okay. You can afford this. Yeah. But even the $2.86 million, which seems justified to me, I'm fine with that. Yeah. That's not what Stella won. First, the judge reduced the award to 640000 and then McDonald's appealed. Eventually, the case was settled out of court for something below 600000 We don't know the actual amount. It was undisclosed. And you can bet attorneys took a giant chunk of that money, and obviously a good amount of it went to medical bills. Yeah. Skin grafts. and If you have third-degree burns, you have to worry about massive infections. You're going to be on antibiotics for fucking ever. If they skin graft you, then you have to worry about infections from both the skin graft site and the site they graft it to, and rejection, and a huge number of shit like burns are not fun anyone out there with burns knows this and yeah that's just bullshit i also think she deserved to be compensated for being dragged through the mud the way she was oh absolutely the defamation suit alone should have been closer to five million like she got lambasted for a decade yeah comedians in the media had a field day with the headline woman awarded millions for spilling hot coffee and the case is now the go-to example for any corporation that's worried about getting sued they always point to this supposedly ridiculous lawsuit that wasn't right And of course, as we've seen, there are plenty of frivolous lawsuits. Yes. But I think it's important to remember that the courts provide vital protections for disadvantaged citizens. And honestly, I don't care if a few companies have to pay millions of dollars as long as old ladies with mutilated genitals can get their medical bills covered. Yeah. I mean, I figure once you've reached into the I earn over a billion dollars in a year in terms of revenue, you kind of just have to. I mean, I know for a fact that they have budgets, you know, for this. They're like... We are going to budget for the possible fucking lawsuits we have to settle out of court or, you know, pay. Absolutely. Because somebody either A, frivolously sues us, or B, actually catches us being screw-ups. Yeah. Pay the grandma and go about your day. Yeah, dude. Pay her and shut up. Go back to killing cows and cutting down rainforests. And poisoning people with food that is barely food. How evil do you need to be? You're already, you're bad enough. You have to twist the pitchfork, really? Really? (laughs) Yeah. So so that was frivolous Frivolous lawsuits. lawsuits. Yeah. Holy shit. Some of which weren't. No. So, thank you to Elder Batman. Oh, I can't not call you Squeaky Bats. And as we mentioned, we won't go into this again, but we are closing in on one year. What we're asking is get out there and rep the show, pick up this momentum and keep it going, and get that snowball rolling. We want this thing to grow. Get it out there. Left those sales. Make people pay attention. And as usual and forever after. Knowledge is power. Sleep is overrated.